Broadcasting from Manhattan Beach and the World Wide Web, you're listening to CHSRHealthyLife.net. As a service to our listeners, this program is for general information and entertainment purposes only. CHSRHealthyLife.net does not recommend, endorse, or object to the views, products, or topics expressed or discussed by show hosts or their guests. We suggest you always consult with your own personal, medical, financial, or legal advisor. Live. Yes, you're in the right place. It's me. I just have a cold. Don't worry. You can send me vitamin C gummies, though, because I love um, vitamin C and I love gummy bears. And so this is a wonderful uh, invention. <laughs> and I uh, love getting your emails. Thanks for all your support, everybody. I know this is a interesting time on the planet, so that you keep tuning in again and again makes us super happy and what we've got for you today is another beautiful author with some great tools and skill building for us all to help our mindfulness practice. We're going to talk with Mark Holman this hour. His new book is called Make Peace with Your Mind. We're going to learn how mindfulness and compassion can free us from our inner critic. That's what's on deck this hour. Before we get there, let's get here. Like I like to do at the top of every show or the bottom or wherever we are. Depends on who you are, I guess. Top down, bottom up. Um, is find your breath. Find that breath in your body. You don't have to do anything about it except find it, notice it, turn your attention. Yeah, immediately noticing the benefit of just calling your attention, bringing it inwards. Turning to your interior self just for a moment and just notice it. If it feels good, deepen your breath. Noticing it, period, can help your nervous system, your limbic system calm you. If you need to calm down, maybe you need to amp up, I'm not sure, but breath is always good. As it relates to presence, because we want to be present, because we want to get Mark's presence today. Presence with an S. He's bringing lots of gifts for us, and I don't know about you, but being present is an ongoing siege <laughs> trying to to harness, like the chariot, all of that stuff going on in our minds, our beautiful minds, and what's going on inside, outside. We're going to be looking at that today. So breathing is good. Taking an audible breath is really great, too. <sighs> Listening to the sound of yourself, that gift of self that's inside of your body. Another thing we like to do, second part of our practice here at Marianne Live, is uh, cultivating an attitude of gratitude, as they say, and not as a cliché, as a wonderful perspective shifter, literally taking a moment or two to climb through the portal of wherever you are and answer, your, uh, answer to yourself the following question, uh, who helped make it possible for you to do what you're doing right now? Yeah, that conjures a lot of things. Which direction do you want to go in? For example, who made all those tissues that I used last night when I was up blowing my nose at 2 a.m.? Seriously, somebody did. Tens of hundreds of thousands of people and where all that cotton comes from in your clothing and how did it get harvested? 
with the food in your belly, just finding some place for your your attention to land and then noticing, wow, a lot of people helped me do what I'm doing right now. From the clothes on my back to the food in my belly, right, to the electronic devices, all the products and services that we use. Just find any place and go down your list of folks who make it possible for you to do what you do. While we go down our list here at Marianne Live, our honorary sponsor is the One World Children's Fund.org. If you're online, uniting people to improve the lives of children affected by poverty. You can check them out online. At the national level, we're sponsored by the National Action Organization, committed to changing the way our culture values each other. 100% of the proceeds from the NAO goes to programming just like this. Excuse me. You can check them out online, naction.org. And at the local level, uh, we've been sponsored by the uh, Open Secret Bookstore in San Rafael, California for the last 11 years. We love everybody over there. It's just kind of a cool place if you're in Northern California and you like books. I heard this morning Amazon is opening up a new flagship bookstore somewhere. I mean, you know, those of us who like to read and grow and learn and, and it's a, you're an ongoing or a lifer student, bookstores are invaluable. They're sanctuaries and uh, Open Secret Bookstore is just an amazing place. It's, it's a trip. You never know who you're going to meet in there, what crazy book you're going to find or flies off the wall. Check them out if you're in Northern California. And so that is our list for today, let's turn our attention now towards our author who's with us today, Mark Coleman. He's the founder of the Mindfulness Institute, uh, and he's got a master's in clinical psychology. Uh, he's guided students on five continents as a corporate consultant, counselor, meditation teacher, and wilderness guide, and he's joining us today to talk about his new book, Make Peace With Your Mind. Because you know your inner critic, the voice that says you're not enough, you're not good enough, or sometimes you're too much. Well, Mark uh, Coleman helps us see where it comes from, where that voice comes from, what strengthens and weakens it. And he's going to share insights into what creates, drives, and disarms this inner critic. Uh, examples uh, he'll give us from real people's lives and healing journeys that inspire and guide us today and the tools that we need to begin turning the lens of our attention towards our own minds with kindness and clarity. Uh, we're going to learn some simple exercises you can immediately put into practice. And his book invites you to cultivate and nurture your best self and make peace with your mind. Wouldn't that be nice? Well, that's our goal today. <laughs> Mark has a lot cut out for him, and he's with us right now. Welcome to the program, Mark. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you, Mary. I'm pleasure to be here. Mark and I are neighbors, just so you know. We live in Marin County. We're super excited that we're close. It's always fun to have an author so close by. And, uh, Mark, on that note in the neighborhood, you know, California, we know a lot about mindfulness practice in terms of it being um, sort of, you know, um, it's not new age anymore. It's part of the way that many of us on a path cope uh, and and deal with all of that frenetic energy Having said that, you know, it's it's not necessarily something that we all know how to navigate well, and for some of us, um, it might mean different things. So why don't we first, Mark, have you address mindfulness practice. What do you mean by it? What kind of mindfulness do you teach? And then we'll go from there. Sure. So as you say, mindfulness is definitely becoming much more prevalent in so many different areas of society, and in general, mindfulness simply means clear awareness. It means knowing 
our experience as it's happening. It's paying attention with a non-reactive attention or awareness to our experience. And so it's something that we all ordinarily have, and it's also something that we can cultivate. And the reason why I think it's become so popular is because, you know, one, the, the inundation of stimulation technology and devices, our attention is very scattered, and so we're often very unfocused and all over the place and not in the present moment because we're lost in thought. So mindfulness training is a way of cultivating that innate quality of awareness so we can be more present to our experience, to life, to our children and family, to whatever's happening. So it's a beautiful quality that's both innate and we can also strengthen and grow it just like many other qualities. Yeah, you say it's innate. <laughs> that makes me laugh because it's innate. <laughs> I mean, I love the idea that's innate, right? But, you know, so many of us are thinking when we hear that, seriously, come on, Mark. It does not feel innate. It feels so hard. I mean, I know people who have a hard time sitting down for one minute with themselves. Tell me more about that, please. Yeah, I didn't say it was easy. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly, right. <laughs> so that's a whole different story. You know, and, 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 and I didn't say sustaining mindfulness is innate. I just uh. mean, you know, like, you know, if we, weren't, if we weren't mindful, if we weren't paying attention, we'd crash our car, we'd walk into lampposts, we'd put our food in our ear. And, yeah, so we do have a basic mod of, you know, modicum of awareness that, that allows us to function and talk and, you know. And as, we, as you see, anybody who, pay, who cultivates meditation or yoga practice or some form of concentration, when you're paying attention, you see how often our attention is wandering, spaced out, meandering, judging. You know, the, the, there was a research study from, Hanford, uh, from Harvard that suggested we, we basically not present 47% of the day, which is basically half the day with, 30, you know, a third of your life sleeping, a third of your life not present, a third of your life maybe aware. So, you know, for me, it's, you know, the mindfulness and awareness is, is this precious jewel that allows us to really enjoy and be present for life's gifts and beauties and challenges. And so, so the good news is, you know, we have this quality and we just, we can cultivate it, but it takes practice, it takes attention, yeah. it takes putting down the habit of multitasking, it takes I mean, slowing down the, the level of, you know, inundation of stimulation and learning how to steady the attention and become more curious about our body and our mind and our heart and the environment which we're in rather than being lost in our thoughts. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a lot to be said for what's going on in the mind and one of the things that you said made me think about um, another study I read a couple years ago about the cerebellum and how when we learn something, it kind of drops down into that ancient part of the brain, the old brain right back at the base of your skull, and things become habitual, right, like driving cars and, and, and operating machinery, et cetera. Talk about the part of your brain that is affected by mindfulness practice. Yeah, so there's a lot of different, you know, mindfulness is becoming a, 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 a very studied field in neuroscience, you know, seven, 800 articles, research papers a year, which is a lot of papers. And, um, you know, some of the interesting things, that, I mean, in terms of the structure of the brain, they're noticing that uh, mindfulness practice over time increases the gray matter, increases uh, areas in the prefrontal cortex, which is for, for the higher reasoning and thinking. It grows the, uh, the insula, which is responsible for sensory processing. So, so many important parts of the brain, um, actually, they, they can track measurable changes. So, and then, you know, there's that, that side of it. And then there's the tracking what happens in, in terms of our behavior and functioning. And what, what we're seeing with the mindfulness research is, you know, obviously it improves attention, it can improve memory, it reduces stress, 
uh, lowers the heart rate, um, increases our pain threshold tolerance, and um, you know a whole host of other things that basically allow us to be a healthier, happier, more functioning human being, which is a good thing. Beautiful. Well, the next thing I'd love for you to do, thanks for that. You know, there's a lot of talk about that. That, that neuromania, a lot of people want to know about what's going on in the brain and how we can control it, etc. But one of the things that you dealt with as a, a young person was uh, your reactivity, your feelings of anger, which you talked about earlier um, when we first started the program. Talk to us a little bit about how you came to mindfulness practice and um, what the big thrill was, because you've got a couple of things right away, um, yeah. right out of the gate, two, two big awarenesses for yourself. Right. Well, I was a you know I was a young man. I was an angry young man. I was very unhappy, and it was very I had a lot of hatred and anger, and I was projecting it out everywhere and blaming governments and corporations. And you know I was part of an anarchist movement. I was a punk rocker, and you know kind of a wild young man. Is and and but confused and you know really believing if you know if, if I fixed everything around me, I'd be happy. And, and um, you know and I was. Pretty unhappy and judging, and, and had a lot of self hatred as well. And when I when I started meditating, when I realized and cultivating mindfulness, I realized how much suffering was was arising from my own mind. How much of the the negative self talk, the self judgment, the self hatred, the meanness, the pushing myself. All that, I just realized, oh wait a minute, you know, yes, there's a plenty of problems outside that need to be addressed, and is also how I relate to myself. It's really causing so much misery and so that was a huge wake up and a huge um, buy-in for me in terms of pursuing your practice which I did you know when that was 30 years ago uh, yeah well let me ask you this when I was reading your book it occurred to me that there is you know there's so much theory out there in terms of psychological development what do you think about the developmental stages as it relates to mindfulness practice in other words you know, uh, we, they say, or research is showing us, that we don't really develop um, a connection between our uh, mammalian brain and our frontal cortex until we're 25 and to, w- with regard to um, our ability to navigate or, or um, uh, manage our uh, stimulus, right, our ability to have impulse control, et cetera, et cetera. So you see where I'm going with this? Like uh, awakening before 25, which you did, um, uh-huh. developmentally may or may not be something that's easy to do. Maybe we're supposed to be gaining experiences and having our minds uh, go off the rails, et cetera. Talk a little bit about that for folks to give them a frame. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking about the, the, the story that comes to mind is a dear friend of mine is a mom of two, uh, two young boys, well, boys and six and nine now, and um, She's she's been teaching mindfulness in this, their school and to them as they as they request it, and you know what she's learned is that um, even at that young age, that when you teach kids mindfulness, especially around mindfulness of emotions and to know when they're triggered and to have language for that, and then to know that when they're triggered, that the breath helps just as you did in the beginning of the practice. That is a, an amazing. Uh, Skill and and uh, capacity to give to a child, and so I, I'm not familiar with the research you're quoting about that link between the, the PFC and the and the mammalian, you know, so the emotional brain. Um, but I know that you know, in in, in her in her case, you know, she, she'll 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 tell me that she's often driving and, and and she might get triggered, 
and her kids will say, Mom, we think you're triggered. You need to breathe. You need to calm down. And so, <laughs> you know, so you be careful what you teach your kids. That's the yeah, first right. lesson. And the second thing is, um, you know, you know, it, we can learn from such a young age about ourselves, about our, about our emotions, about how to work with them. And so mindfulness just gives us that self-awareness capacity, which I think at any age that we do it is going to be helpful, you know, and, yeah. For sure. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit now. Let's start moving towards um, what you call an epidemic of self-judgment. We want to start to get to know this, the inner critic, which is what your book is about. If you're just joining us, Mark Coleman is with us today on Marianne Live. Make Peace with Your Mind is the title of his new book, so this inner critic, uh, how did you come upon the inner critic? What is it, and how come this self-judgment is such an epidemic? Yeah, well, I think the critic came upon me, and I just woke up to it. It's, when I first started meditating, I, I just listened to the voices in my head, and I was thinking, wow, <laughs> they're so negative and mean <laughs> and yeah. grumpy and judgmental and, and just nasty. And and then at some point, you know, the, the second realization that I think you were pointing to earlier that I got was that, you know, we're so familiar with our judgmental voices that it's just part of the living room furniture, and we don't even notice they're there until someone says, hey, do you notice that critical voice in your head? Or only when we meditate and we listen. And there was some point when I was doing a love and kindness meditation, which is, we'll talk later about that, it's a powerful antidote to the critic. And I uh, was just feeling my heart and how painful it was to be talked to talk to myself in the way that the critic does, how harsh and belittling. And um, and that was a wake-up call because I, I just I said to myself, I don't want to talk to myself like this. I, I don't want to be at the receiving end of that kind of verbal abuse in the same way that if we had a friend judge us, you know, even a tenth of what our inner critic judges us, we would say, you know, stop. That's just not helpful. You know, you don't need to tell me that 50 times. I got that lesson already the first time. Like, we, we, you know, we're generally pretty sensitive to when others judge us, but we let our critic go on and on and on. That creates a tremendous sense of unworthiness and feeling deficient and small and stupid. So, so that's the wake-up call is, 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 is to imagine yourself giving your critic, as I, I tell this to my students in my workshop, give, imagine giving your best friend your judgments and asking them to repeat them to you as much as the critic does. And how long would you put up for that? You wouldn't put up for very long because it's so painful. So the, so the work with the critic is waking up to the pain and learning that we actually have some agency and control about how much we actually listen and give it authority and let it talk to us in that way. And I think something I'd like to point out here is this differentiation is enormous. That's the, the wake-up call, the awakened part of the call, in my opinion, when we pick up. When we start saying, who is that? What is that? You know, we start to understand that we have all these parts of ourselves, um, which for some people is really a big leap, isn't it? It's like, wait a minute. No, I'm all one self, you know, <laughs> right? So when we throw words around like like I've done so much in my life, when app is like yours, Mark, very polypsychological, you know, there's lots of parts of ourselves, but that's not necessarily... Uh, an easy thing to come to terms with. We'll get back after the break. We're going to talk more about that with our guest, Mark Coleman, and uh, how we're going to work with the inner critic right here on Marianne Live. Back in just a minute.
date anymore. What? Did you break up again? You said he's perfect. Well, I don't blame you. My last date lasted two minutes at a speed dating event. Are you still looking for the one? There are millions of singles looking for soulmates. Actually, drama-free love. Worry no more. Nine international relationship experts collaborated to bring you secrets to drama-free love. Proven solutions that singles use to help them find, catch, and keep the right relationship. Get your copy of Secrets to Drama-Free Love at Amazon.com now. We've, We've ordered, ordered no, no more love life drama, drama for us. Hi, everybody. I'm relationship expert and radio talk show host Marianne Camarado. And I'm David Raynaud. We want to talk to you for a minute about the changing world of dating and relationships and how self-inquiry can help. Honey, did you know that 44% of the U.S. population is single and over 50% end in divorce? Yet, we spend an average of one-third of our lives trying to find a great relationship or get help with the ones we already have. Yep, that's exactly why we created the first ever of its kind, the Great Relationships Begin Within Self-Inquiry Divination Deck, because we know what it takes to attract and create a healthy, fulfilling, sustainable relationship. And it's really simple. Sit quietly, close your eyes, turn your attention inward, and draw a card. You can go online right now and get a free reading on Marianne Lide and try out the cards. And for under $20, what better way to give yourself a gift of your own attention? We wish you every blessing. We'll see you next time. Check out MarianneLive.com. .com. Okay, so you have a couple of days off, and you're planning to get away from stress. You may be planning to go across the world or even taking a staycation around town. Well, Hotels.com can get you a room in over 158,000 hotels, 60 countries, for 50% off. That's reducing stress already. Plus, collect 10 nights, and you'll get one night free. And there's no cancellation charges, no change fees. For the best deals, even last-minute deals, visit HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on Hotels.com. Music, information, and friends. HealthyLife.net. Everybody. We're back. We're live right here on Marianne Live, and we're so glad you're here. Mark Coleman is joining us. He's written a new book, Make Peace With Your Mind. It's um, not a command, but it's a good suggestion. How do we do that? We're talking about the inner critic, which Mark says mindfulness, practice, and compassion can free us from this inner critic. And we're just getting to know what, what you mean, Mark, about the inner critic. And I was saying before the break, the inner critic, there's somebody in my head, am I crazy? What's, what's that all about? Tell us more about this before we take the leap from where we are to being, having some voice in our head. Sure, sure. So, you know, we, we all have a lot of thoughts in our head, and some of them have seeming personalities, and the critic is one of those, and there, and there can be a whole host of them. And, um, you know, I was, talking, I was teaching a course recently, and, and some person said, you know, the, the critic, it's like living with a bad college roommate who just follows you around, tells you you're messy, and you don't do the dishes, and you look terrible. And, and then somebody else later said, you know, it's not like a bad college roommate. It's like a whole college dorm in there. There's like a committee. You know, sometimes people refer to it as the boardroom. You know, like yeah, the right. CF, the CFO's on your case about money, and then the, the COO's on your case about not having done your tasks properly, and you've got the uh, manager who's, you know, giving you orders and... And so 
it can seem sometimes a little crazy making, cause, and, and sometimes the critic can manifest as a, as a coach that's encouraging, doing, doing good, keep going, and then as soon as you slip up to its impossibly high standards, then it becomes a bully or a taskmaster. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, so um, the more we listen, the more we see there's a lot of different thought streams, or what I call voices, but they're not really ultimately voices, but they're, you know, they're, they're the mental patterns that um, have a critical orientation. And, and the inner critic is, is really just the, the way of describing the generality of this negative judgmental voice. Yeah, and back to your neuroscience, right? These neural pathways that got laid down pretty early on uh, for a lot of us, uh, more intense, some more intense than others. Let's talk a little bit about that. How does our childhood come into play here in terms of the inner critic? Do we all have an inner critic? Uh, did we, you know, some of us get a worse one? How does that work? Yeah, I mean, I've taught for 20 years, and pretty much everywhere I go, most people that I know have some kind of critic. Some people, they got up lightly, and it's very mild, and, and some it's, it's faded. But most people actually have pretty strong self-judging tones to their, their mind. And, their, and it starts because, you know, as a young infant, we are born into a family and a culture and society. And we have to learn very quickly how to navigate that territory, to fit in, to be loved, to be cared for, to be liked, not to be shouted at or rejected or heard or beaten or, you know, depending on the family of origin. And so what the ego develops the structure, which Freud way back, you know, hundred and some years ago pointed to as a, as a superego, which is the part of the ego that tracks what, you know, how we maintain and optimize love, how we fit in, how we... Uh, can stay safe, and so and the, the way it does that is through shaming, through this this voice, this critical voice of shaming, and so that becomes the origin of the inner critic that strengthens over time, develops more in, in adolescence when we we care so much about you know fitting in and peer pressure and peer approval, and by the time we've left home, even though we don't need that shaming voice to fit in with our family, we've internalized those ideas, those judgments, those views, and then we carry on beating ourselves up with it, even though we don't need the stick anymore. Yeah, not a great design. Like, who, who designed this? I want to talk to that guy. <laughs> a little bit of design flow, I have to say. Yeah, right. it, 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 should have a, it should have a sell-by date that just, it just sort of expires <laughs> yeah. when we're 18. Yeah, it should be like that guy who invented uh, that chemical that you can put on oil spills when it, it, it eats up the oil and then it eats itself. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I like that. All right, well, there's still room for progress here. Okay, Mark, so... We inherited some of this from our childhoods. Everybody's got one. Um, okay, uh, how do we deal with this inner critic? How do we know when it's showing up? And let's talk about some of the ways it can actually hurt us. You mentioned that there are skills that we need to have, which we're going to get to. to, to uh, we need to uh, cultivate to navigate um, this this territory. But let's talk a little bit more about what it is, how the critic can show up. Give us some examples. Sure. So there's different ways a critic manifests. One is a perfectionist, that you're never perfect enough, which, of course, is impossible because no, I've never met a perfect human being. And then it shows up as the, what I call the mantra of not enough, where whatever you do, you go to the gym, you're not fit enough. You go to work, you're not smart enough. You pick up your kids from school, you're not a good enough parent. You go home, you're not a good enough housemaker. And then you go... To yoga class and you're not stretchy enough and you go to meditation and you're not mindful enough and so it's a sense of not enoughness and it's and also it's not a, it manifests as this way of it's not okay to be you to be human to make mistakes to have foibles to have idiosyncrasies 
you've got to fit into this impossibly high standard that nobody can ever do. And so you're kind of doomed to fail and doomed to feel bad about yourself because of this really uh, impossibly high standard and, and set of criteria that nobody can really live, I, I, you know, attain. Yet we see every day all these false, fake images of perfection as though it's possible, right? That's reinforcing this mm-hmm. negative spin, right? We Somebody was saying the other day they went on Facebook and they wanted to uh, take medication. They were so upset. Like, everybody's life looks so perfect, and, you know, we airbrush things, and it's all glossed over and fake. You know, what, what do we do about that? Or how does yeah. that play here? But no, I think it's really important. I think the rise of social media and Facebook and Instagram and all those kind of forums where people are portraying the perfect life, the perfect body and the perfect family, which of course we know doesn't exist because we know life is beautiful and messy and complicated and hard and all the rest of it. And um, so I think we're living in a time where that, that, you know, the, the, I think the cousin of the critic is the comparing mind. And so with all, with social media and, you know, People Magazine or whatever magazine we're reading, we can, we can look externally and, and, and we're given this message of how to live this perfect life that doesn't exist and so we it's, a, it's an extra ammunition for the critics saying look they've got it figured out they've got the perfect you know par- partner and child and house how can't you yeah, yeah. get that together yeah so it's really good to see that yes and then the other side of that is uh if we didn't have an inner critic some of us think oh, i would just lay around and eat bonbons all day you know like oh yeah i won a trophy i won 50th place you know that mentality everybody's wonderful everybody's perfectly you know if we swung to the other side of the pendulum talk about that like how the inner critic helps us maybe yeah, so, I mean, that, that's an, I often hear that from people like, if, if I didn't have a critic, I'd never get out of bed, I'd never do anything. And that may or may not be true, but here's, here's what's important about the inner critic. You know, if we, if we listen to it, we strengthen it. If we believe it, we strengthen it. And I think we've got all kinds of other factors within us, like, you know, how to motivate ourselves and inspire ourselves and find meaning and purpose and value in things or using our conscience rather than the judge to make decisions. So we have all kinds of much healthier faculties in which to navigate life. And the more that we're relying on the critic means we're listening to it and strengthening it. And the more that we strengthen it, the more it's going to have impact. So I, I think it's important that we, we find all the ways that the critic's operating and then find healthier ways to replace what it's trying to do. Yeah, one of the beautiful things about your book uh, is you've got these practice sections at the end of every chapter, literally, people. And there's how many chapters in this book again? Uh, we have 31. Yeah, there's there's quite a few. Tons of practice um, opportunities for you. You want to get a copy of this book. We're going to go to break here in just a minute. You want to get a copy of Mark's book, and you will have a little blueprint for yourself. Um, you can also go to uh, either website, markholman.org, right? Yes, I do, markholman.org, Mark with a K. Okay, and it's C-O-L-E-M-A-N, everybody. So you can start to check Mark out, and uh, while you're online, go to Amazon or wherever fine books are sold, and you can get yourself a copy of this book. And we're going to do some of these, maybe one or two of the practices towards the end of the program here, at least talk about them. Um, so, in other words, we're, we're not going to annihilate the critic here, people, which is sometimes what you feel like you want to do. But we're going to identify, name, get to know this part of ourselves. And uh, there's other parts that I'm going to ask Mark about in a second. And, and use mindfulness practice as a way to navigate 
uh, and be in relationship with this part of ourselves. Yeah, isn't that right? Absolutely. The, you know, the, the subtitle of the book, Mindfulness and Compassion, I, mindfulness is really the key component for recognizing, seeing it, seeing how much we're buying into it, how much authority we give it. I mean, that, that's a key skill. Right? The more we're tracking our mind, the more we can find ways to unhook from that trap. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Last night in the middle of the night I woke up and I was thinking about mindfulness, the word, and I thought, that's such a misleading kind of name for what this is. Even though our yeah. minds are full, so I wrote down mindfulnesslessness. <laughs> that's what this practice really is. We'll just chew on that for a minute. We're going to break. We'll be right back. More with Mark Coleman right here on Marianne Live. I don't want to date anymore. What? Did you break up again? You said he's perfect. Well, I don't blame you. My last date lasted two minutes at a speed dating event. Are you still looking for the one? There are millions of singles looking for soulmates. Actually, drama-free love. Worry no more. Nine international relationship experts collaborated to bring you secrets to drama-free love. Proven solutions that singles use to help them find, catch, and keep the right relationship. Get your copy of Secrets to Drama-Free Love at Amazon.com now. We've ordered No No More More Love Life Life Drama Drama for us. us. Shh, over here. Here's a secret for a virus-free computer. ESET, they've been a pioneer in the antivirus industry for over 25 years. 25 years of innovative, top-rated antivirus protection. ESET's award-winning security solutions provide a safe online experience for over 100 million home and business computer owners. They are so affordable, fast, and simple to use. So be gone, you blue screen of death. ESET's on my computer. If it's not on yours, visit HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on ESET now. Did you know that in seven minutes you might save $522 on car insurance? Well, this makes sense. Since 21st Century Insurance's company's website has been rated number one in responsiveness by Keynote. Serving customers since 1958, 21st Century Insurance has a 24-7 online policy and claim service. You can get a quote fast and easy, so get your quote by visiting HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click right on the 21st Century Insurance banner. More exhilarating talk. HealthyLife.net. Are right, you guys thinking about that mindfulnesslessness? <laughs> right? Mark and I were talking during the break. Yeah, the way to meet uh, the inner critic or whatever's going on in there is with a mindfulness practice. And I said to Mark, yeah, and Mark said, who wants more mindful? I mean, there's so much going on in there, right? We want lessness, right? Tell us what you were right. saying. You saw a book uh, recently. Oh, yeah, book title, Kindfulness. You know, mindfulness is, is, just, is just a slightly erroneous translation from an old Buddhist word called sati, which literally means uh, memory. And um, so mindfulness is kind of what we're stuck with. I, and that's why I like the word awareness, because really what we're developing is clear awareness. And we can all relate to that, right? We yeah. have awareness. We can grow it it's like a muscle can be, you know, it's really our best friend. Well, let's call it that, too. Uh, Maybe that'll start a trend, Mark. Thanks for that. Because, I, you know, I like the specificity of what it actually is. And Sati, you know, translating these words is is very funny. Even Freud's word, ego, id, 
you know, all these words don't mean what we what he said they meant. I mean, we have to be really careful here. So on that note, if we're developing a mindfulness practice, we're developing awareness, what are we becoming aware of? Because during the break we were talking about this critic uh, has, I don't know, a shtick. It says several things to us, and then we get all derailed or we buy into what it's saying. How do we meet this critic, and what do we do upon meeting it? Yeah, so the first thing we need to do with awareness is we need to identify that the judging thoughts are happening. And when I say judging thoughts, I make a distinction between a healthy, critical thought. You know, we, we all have to make decisions and choices and, 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 and decide and critique things for work or for parenting or for all kinds of things. So we have these faculties like discernment, uh, discrimination, assessment, evaluation, language, all healthy. The judge comes in. And with the, with the difference between all those other healthy faculties and the judgmental thought is it's an attack on our person. Rather than saying, oh, you know, that, you know, that, you know, game that you've just played or that presentation you gave, you know, could have been better. The judge comes and says, no, it's stupid, you're bad, you're hopeless, you're failure, why do you bother? You know, you failed at the other thing you did. And so it becomes a direct uh, implication that you, therefore, are a bad or unworthy or less or sufficient person. And so that's where mindfulness comes in. We want to see, oh, that's just a, that's, I'm just being discriminating when I'm focusing on the, you know, the, I need to redesign this bathroom, I need to do this, that, and the other. And the judge comes in and says, well, you therefore are a bad person for doing this and that. So we want to name the judge when it happens. We want to see it. We want to feel how it lands. We want to see how much we believe it. We want to see how much we listen to it. We want to see how much we give it authority. And those are really basic, you know, foundational tools for working with a critic. Because if we don't have that, we're just going to let the critic drone on and on, which it has done for many years. And that's why we get beaten down. Right. And this is the reactive state. Let's tie this into the reactive state. So walk us through a scenario. Here you are. You get a voice in your head. And then talk about how this becomes a reactive state and, and walk us through what you might do here. Yeah, so for example, say you, you know, you're at work and you give a presentation on something. And maybe it wasn't your best. Maybe your, you know, your, your kid was sick all the night before and you, you know, you just didn't have enough time to prepare. You know, it happens. And, um, you know, so the, 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 the assessing mind, you know, says, yeah, I could have done this and my PowerPoint deck could have been better and da da da. The critic comes in and says, well, that was just, you know, you know, it was just hopeless, it was stupid, it was, you know, a waste of time, I can't believe you embarrassed yourself. So, and it's good to understand that the reason the critic gets amped up is it's, you know, if you remember that conversation we had about why the critic arises, it arises because we feel vulnerable. We're vulnerable to threat, vulnerable to attack, vulnerable to rejected. So whenever we feel vulnerable, it's likely to give rise to the critic to, to, to slam down, to, to protect us from that threat. But it does it in a way that's not helpful. Because if, if, when we're judging ourselves, we don't have access to a kind of a healthy, critical, assessing mind that can learn and grow from our experiences and perhaps our mistakes. And rather, it just makes us feel bad and shame, which is why we need to actually say, you know, who do you think you are to judge? You know, this is not true, not helpful, not accurate, like we might do it to a friend. And then we actually focus on, you know, we, we bring a sort of a more rational reflection, or we just shift our attention, and we say to the critic, thank you very much, have a nice day, right. I'm not interested, I'm going to go look at the flowers. So do you do this in the restroom? Because, like, I'm having a visual of walking out of the boardroom talking to myself. I'm thinking, no, I need to have a talk with you, but I'm taking it in my office over here. Because <laughs> I'm talking to myself in the car, 
stuff right. by myself. Right. But you know, you need to take yourself somewhere private so people don't haul you away, right? Right. <laughs> right. I mean, definitely, restroom cars are really good places. Uh, or, or we can just, or we can just, you know, be silently say, say to the critic, you know, like stop, like enough, like this yeah, is not yeah. helpful, not true, not accurate. Yeah. I'm not interested. Go have a nice day, and I'm going to focus on my work. Thank right. you very much, or my child, or right. my dinner, or. So that's that's one that that's the whole set of practices, you know, with mindfulness, where we're being we're being clear, we're being fierce, we're we're, we're inquiring, so we're challenging the the validity or the or the accuracy of the judge, because so often the judge is distorted. Like if I often say to people, write down your top ten judgments. If you can, show your best friend them and say, are these, are these really true? Is it really true that I'm stupid or unlovable or hopeless? Or, and they'll probably say, no, that's not true. That's not how I see you. You may have a trait. Of, you may have a, at times you may feel hopeless or at times you may be disorganized or at times you may be down on yourself, but you're not actually an unlovable person. And so we want to see how distorted and accurate for the most part the critic is. Right. What do you think about, okay, there's... in. Buddhist practice, actually, it might be Zen practice, I can't remember at this moment, but where we are recommended to move towards what we don't want. Like, what if we actually took another step and said, well, maybe I am unlovable, but so what? And maybe I did give a crap presentation, so what? What is that? I get to be here, you know what I mean? I get to do a crap job, and, uh, you know, who said that you, the point is, I think, is who, who said, who are you to judge it? You know what right. I mean? Let me let me decide. And if I think it's crappy, I can do something about it. What do we think about that? Yeah, no, I, absolutely. You know, at times, you know, it's not difficult for the critic to be, you know, accurate at times and say, yeah, you know, you forgot your best friend's birthday, and, yeah. you know, and, you know, it's Valentine's Day and you didn't get flowers, yeah. like, you fool. And, and, yeah. it's like, and, and so, yeah, the, the, what you were saying is actually is generally what I recommend. It's like, yeah, so I forgot the flowers, and so what? Like, yeah. who could you look at? Because yeah. the implication of the critic is you forgot the flowers, therefore you're a bad, bad human you know, lover, spouse, partner. <laughs> yeah. You know. yeah. And it's like, no, yeah, I've got the flowers. I don't need to hear it 50 times a day. I've right. got the flowers. I got it. Go bother somebody else. And go make it right. Let's move on here. Right? You're not right. needed. Like, I'm going to give you a new job. Why don't we give that critic a new job, <laughs> which is what, what your work is inviting us to do, right? Right. Yeah, put that critical mind to, to, to use rather than dismantling and dismembering ourselves yeah. and actually bring some, you know, use that critical faculty in, in, in many healthy ways that we need to do for our work yeah. as a doctor, but, teacher, parent. Let's that critic write a blog. Uh, right. right. <laughs> and, and, and then the other, the other set of practices that, may, you know, that I'd like to get to before we close is, around, is, is the, the practices of the heart, right? Because the, the, the critic is, is ultimately, it's a very painful thing. When we listen to someone torture us every single day, telling us we're stupid, we're not enough, we're not smart, we're not cute, whatever, you know, it hurts. Yeah. And so we also want to, you know, learn how to be, you know, loving and kind and compassionate and forgiving with ourselves. And the, one of the main practices that I teach, I think, is a very powerful antidote to the critic and to our sense of unworthiness in general, is the practice of loving kindness, which is, you know, I, I learned in Buddhist tradition years ago. And but it's something anybody can do. It's basically we're saying phrases that wish ourselves well. We wish ourselves to be happy, to be peaceful, to be at ease, to be free from pain. And the reason why I think that practice is so powerful, one is it builds up the reservoir of self-love, but also because it's using thoughts and wishes for our well-being, it's, it's using similar neural pathways that the critic does, 
except it's very positive and kind and caring rather than critical and demeaning. And so I often tell people, like, every time you judge yourself, just add, and may I be happy, or may I be peaceful, and you're stupid, and may I be lovable, and, and, and yeah, but you <laughs> forgot your it. mother's birthday, and may I be free from suffering, yeah, yeah. but you're a loser, and may I love myself, yeah. and you just keep negating, you keep, you keep neutralizing yeah. those critical words. I love that. I even love the visual. It's like, you know, holding that paradox. We need to be able to tolerate uh, this critic enough to with it. I love it. We come back after the break more with Mark Coleman. We're going to get to some of the practices and loving kindness. The meta meditation is one of my favorites. Mark's going to talk to us about that and a couple other things when we get back right after these messages. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. I don't want to date anymore. What? Did you break up again? You said he's perfect. Well, I don't blame you. My last date lasted two minutes at a speed dating event. Are you still looking for the one? There are millions of singles looking for soulmates. Actually, drama-free love. Worry no more. Nine international relationship experts collaborated to bring you secrets to drama-free love. Proven solutions that singles use to help them find, catch, and keep the right relationship. Get your copy of Secrets to Drama-Free Love at Amazon.com now. We've We've ordered ordered No More More Love Love Life Life Drama Drama for Us. MarianneLive.com is where you can go to keep up to date with what and where relationship expert, author, and radio host Marianne Camerata is appearing next. Besides Marianne's three radio shows weekdays on HealthyLife.net, you can find out details about upcoming or ongoing seminars and workshops. How about information for ordering copies of books or DVDs? That's also available at MarianneLive.com. Find out about core certification, certificate of responsible relationships www.marianlife.com Core Certification Learning Tools to Attract, Build, and Sustain Great Relationships Also sign up for Marianne's newsletter to be informed about upcoming events and possible workshops or speaking engagements in the Northern California area www.marianlive.com What does HealthyLife.net and Amazon.com have in common? Well, they're both available on the Internet. They both give great value. But most important, most of our positive program hosts and guests are accomplished authors. And their books are available from, you got it, Amazon.com. Now it even gets better than that. Because when you're listening on air to a HealthyLife.net host or guest, you can go directly to Amazon.com and you can order your book while you're still listening to your favorite HealthyLife.net program. So when you hear an author you like, go to the homepage of HealthyLife.net and click on Amazon.com. HealthyLife.net. Net, the Positive Radio Network. Welcome back, everybody. We're having a good time here on Marion Live. We're talking about mindfulnesslessness. <laughs> Actually, creating an expanded awareness so we can deal with this this interior critic. Okay, that is not just interior. We see it everywhere. We've inherited this thing. It's here. And my question to you, Mark Coleman, is, is it here to stay? Are these practices you're going to share with us now, are they going to eradicate the critic? Or is this more than personal? Is this critic maybe archetypal? Say more about this. Yeah. Well, that's a great question. And, you know, ultimately, who knows? I mean, I have worked with people. I've given people these practices that they've never even thought about looking at the critic, let alone actually trying to thwart its impact. And I've seen people make, you know, remarkable 
transformations where you know, just as if just as when we ever we turn towards something that we've perhaps not noticed before or ran away from, sometimes we can have tremendous uh, uh, tran- you know, transformations happen. And it's certainly true for some people I've worked with where the critic has really diminished. But mostly, and I think what's more important, you know, there's two ways that we feel freedom. One is something disappears, but more and more normally, what happens is we we have a healthier relationship to it. So, so the critical voice, you know, for most of us, and certainly true for me, is not it's not going to disappear. It may lessen, it may fade, it may. Um, but what's important is we we learn to relate to it differently. We learn to see it. We learn to not care about it. We learn to not buy into its point of yeah, view. Exactly. We, we learn not to listen to it and think that it's true. And ultimately, you know, one of the strategies I talk about in the book is to have a sense of humor. You know, the critic will tell you in its nice hat, it'll tell you, oh, you should sleep in. It's, you know, you know, sleep's good for your brain. It's good for your life. So sleep. And then you, and then you wake up at, you know, 10 o'clock and the critic's now got his taskmaster hat on. <laughs> And it says, you lazy, good-for-nothing slob, you never get any, you sleeper, you slacker. And, and you've got to laugh. Like, I was telling you a story, I was teaching uh, Spirit Rock yesterday where I teach a meditation center, and, and I'm often driving there, and I was stuck in traffic, so I was, I was cutting a little fine. And, um, and and often when I'm leaving the house, I can't find my keys because, you know, I just moved into a house, and who knows where I put my keys the last time. And so my critic will have these predictable places that gives me a hard time, like if I'm late, if I lose my keys, if I'm disorganized. And and instead of instead of listening to the critic, I'll preempt it by saying, "Oh, look, Mr. Mindfulness lost his keys again." Yeah, what up on him? Because <laughs> um, you know I'm human, and just because yeah. I'm practiced or teach mindfulness doesn't mean that I don't lose my keys. And so, if we can find a sense of lightness or humor or playfulness, yeah. you know, I used to dress my wig, my my judge up in this gray wig. You know, nice. Make it like like the London, you know, the English judges. And <laughs> I bad, love it. Bad meditator, bad boy. That's and great. so. So, you know, it, it says, you know, I like exaggerate. Yes, I really am the worst, you know, person in the world, the worst, you know, Valentine's flower buyer, the worst yes. key finder, the worst whatever you yes. think I am. And just I make it make light of it yes. so it doesn't, because what we're looking for is the ways to not allow the judgment to land in a way that's painful that allows, allows us to collapse and feel deficient about ourselves. The yes. more that we can find space or humor or disinterest or say, who the hell are you to judge me? then the more free we are, whether it's here or not. That's, yeah. that's the freedom. Beautiful. Give us an exercise to take with us. You brought up the mindfulness or, or the uh, loving-kindness meditation, meta-meditation. Folks can get a copy of that online. It's wonderful. What, what are, what's another um, uh, exercise we can walk away with today? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I... I, I, for so many, I don't know. I know, I know. A, there are so many, by the way, oh, folks. Over 30 of them in the book. You're not going to be without exercises galore. Do not uh, worry. I, What's one of your favorites? One of my favorites is, is inquiry. Because I do think that, you know, I think with mindfulness, with compassion, and with inquiry, is, is the tools we need to live and wake up. And with inquiry, first we're asking ourselves, you know, is this really true? Is it really true that I'm stupid? Well, I have a degree. I might have a master's. I might have... You know, very, you know, very, you know, sophisticated job. Is it really true? Stupid? Well, I can be stupid at times. I can do stupid things at times, but I'm not a stupid person. And then you ask yourself, how does that impact? How does that judgment land if I believe it? I feel glass. I feel small. I feel unworthy. And then you ask yourself, you know, who would I be without that story? If I didn't believe that story that I'm stupid, what would I feel like? Maybe I'd feel 
brighter. I'd feel more spacious. I'd actually be more in touch with my own natural intelligence. Um, so, you, and you can, you know, add or subtract different questions, but basically you're asking, you know, is this true? You know, you know, how do I feel when I believe this? How does it impact me? How would I be without this belief? Yeah. You know? um, great investment so, yeah. of time. Exactly. Yeah, indeed. Like you said, I, that bumper sticker, I think I wrote that bumper sticker. Just because your mind something, says something doesn't mean it's true. Right. <laughs> yeah. Don't believe everything you think. That's exactly. right. Right. Take that pause, folks. You know, examine, explore, be in relationship. Mark, you've had such great suggestions for us today in identifying this one of the characters in our heads. I'm looking for your other books that are going to talk about some of the other lovely uh, <laughs> committee members that we have going on in our in our minds. Uh, what do you want to leave us with? Uh, we're at the top of the hour. Yeah, I think what I want to leave your listeners with is that, you know, d- despite the fact that we've had a critic and may have had it for a long time, doesn't mean, doesn't under, don't underestimate your capacity to find space and peace and freedom by bringing awareness, by bringing inquiry, by bringing self-love and self-compassion, that we can actually find very healthy and somewhat immediate constructive ways to find more space and ease and a more accurate self-assessment so we're no longer burdened by those painful, critical thoughts. That's beautiful. Beautiful advice. And I love that it's advice and an offering that you use yourself a champion of our practitioners that teach what they work with themselves. So kudos to you, Mark Holman. Thanks so much for joining us today. We're so glad you took time to be with us, and we wish you the best success with your new book, Make Peace With Your Mind, everybody. Thank you, Marianne. Pleasure to be on your show. Oh, you betcha, Mark. Come back anytime. In the meantime, markholman.org for more information. We're going to go to break. We'll be back for a wrap right after these messages. I'm relationship expert and radio talk show host, Marianne Camarado. And I'm David Raynaud. We want to talk to you for a minute about the changing world of dating and relationships and how self-inquiry can help. Honey, did you know that 44% of the U.S. population is single and over 50% end in divorce? Yet, we spend an average of one-third of our lives trying to find a great relationship or get help with the ones we already have. Yep, that's exactly why we created the first ever of its kind, the Great Relationships Begin Within Self-Inquiry Divination Deck, because we know what it takes to attract and create a healthy, fulfilling, sustainable relationship. And it's really simple. Sit quietly, close your eyes, turn your attention inward, and draw a card. You can go online right now and get a free reading on Marianne Lide and try out the cards. And for under $20, what better way to give yourself a gift of your own attention? We wish you every blessing. We'll see you next time. Check out MarianneLive.com. To be a good father is the most important job in a man's life. But it doesn't have to be hard. Play catch. Go to a park or visit a zoo. Help your child with their homework. Sit down together for dinner. Ask them how their day was. Things get busy, and sometimes we all fall short. But the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Learn more at one 877 dad or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Stuff, stuff, stuff. Where can I contain all of my stuff? 
Hmm, how about this? The Container Store, the original storage and organization store. And I found their link on the HealthyLife.net advertiser page. They have containers for everything, including the kitchen, the bathroom, trash and recycling, traveling, spring cleaning, and dorm rooms. Just about everything you can think of to contain your stuff. The Container Store, right on the HealthyLife.net advertiser page. HealthyLife.net, where positive overcomes negative. Thanks for joining us today, everybody. Don't forget, uh, if you're in the Bay Area, the Wisdom 2.0 conference is this weekend in San Francisco. Our guest today, Mark Holden, is going to be speaking there on Saturday. If you liked what you heard, uh, he's going to be on deck at 9.30 a.m. here in California, in San Francisco, California. Go online, wisdom2summit.com, for more information. Um, Loved having you here, everybody. Thanks for joining us again and again. We so appreciate your support, and we hope you get what you need when you come here to Mary Ann Live. For more information about classes and offers that we have, go to MaryAnnLive.com. Uh, we've got beautiful workshops and classes that we're offering uh, uh, more, more recently than we have in the past. So some new offers, check, it, check us out, MaryAnnLive.com. Next guest, Megan McFeely, another local, as she is, is the movie that she's now uh, spinning around the country, sharing with the rest of us folks in the nation. Gorgeous film, as she is, Megan McFeely right here on Marianne Live. Don't forget to go do something for somebody else today, and don't let them know you did it. That's the third part of your practice here uh, on Marianne Live. I wish you every blessing. Until next time, we'll see you then.